everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago on a beautiful June morning. And lo and behold, I look to my right and look who's next to me, my co-pilot, the handsome, the great one, Doug Tonus. How you doing, brother? Handsome. Haven't heard that in about 25 years, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Come on, DT. Yeah. Are you serious? I don't know. I'm Come on, you've got you've got her more than once. I'm sure my on. wife says. I, I know that's that not true. That she'd be really embarrassed if I just said that. <laughs> yeah, I hear I hear that about you know hourly or usually at least once or twice a day. Yeah. So Do you have uh, like uh, some some kind of self motivating tapes there? Like you are you are good enough. You are good <laughs> How dare you? Just How dare you? No, just just random people. Just random people. Walk it's an odd thing to say. Random people. Our fair city. On the street. I got to be honest with you. I've gotten many uh, great, great comments after my guest spot appearance last Thursday. I uh, I was disappointed to hear you haven't listened to it yet. But last Thursday, I joined our mutual friend Big Dave Watson on his CHGO show, and we had a very interesting conversation. So I was hoping to t- touch on some of the topics that we discussed, but unfortunately, you haven't listened to the show. So I guess we'll I'll kind of reframe some of it. But uh, let's get started with. The big news about the Beal trade, you know, Beal is a player that a lot of people have compared, I guess, to Zach Levine. He's a little bit older, a little bit less of a three-point shooter as, as Zach is, but they're they're kind of similar players in some ways. What say you? Do you think that's had a positive, in, considering the the bereft return that the Wizards got for him, uh, how do you think that trade affects the Bulls, and in, 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 if it does at all in any way? I think there's two theories here. One is the no-trade clause stop the Wizards from getting more than they could have otherwise. And that the Wizards just kind of catered to Beal wanting to go to the Suns and didn't play hardball with him at all. Because the Wizards could have just said, oh, no trade clause? Well, we're just not going to trade you then. You're just going to stay here. You want to go somewhere else? Well, now we're rebuilding and you're going to stay here. And if you want to consent to a trade to like three teams, you know, we'll work with like a group, but we're not going to narrow it down to just one and then also let you pick what we get back. There's like a rumor that Beal would not allow a trade if DeAndre Ayton was coming back in it. So who knows what went on there? You know, I'm, I, I haven't looked into it in that much depth because I'm not a Wizards fan or a Beal fan or a Suns fan. So I don't care all that much. So some poss- part of that might be true. It also could be just when they negotiated his extension. They said, look, if it doesn't work out in two years, we'll trade you to a destination of their choice. You saw the the statement the agent put out, which was like just praising the front office for how great they were to work with and everything. So maybe there was just like some other discussions and they kind of sort of agreed to this when they signed him to an extension. Either way, it was a pitiful return for the Wizards. You know, and the other part of this might be that just Beal wasn't really so much in demand and that people viewed him as overpaid. He's coming off two pretty mediocre seasons compared to his past. You know, he's only played in about 55% of the games over the past two years. And maybe his value, you know, staring down $200 million left on his deal just was less as well. And, and so I think there's probably a little bit of truth to both of those. Beal was worth less than you think. And then the no trade clause made that less than you think even half of what that was. And then here we are with Beal getting traded for nothing. In terms of Zach, I mean, it, it just kind of depends if there's a suitor. You know, like there's probably no other stars available. So if you're the Miami Heat, and you're looking at how can we win next year? And we were well short this year, but you know we've been to two finals and an Eastern Conference Finals, so we're like right there every year. You know we need to get a piece, and you start looking what's available. You know maybe Zach Levine might be kind of about it for you, 
And so then maybe you're willing to do a little bit more. You know, I, I proposed out there what I would want to see from Miami uh, was basically Kyle Lowry, the 2023 pick, which they can trade, and then 2027 and 2029 completely unprotected. Uh, but that's because if I'm looking to do a Zach trade, I'm not looking to win now. I'm looking to just decimate the roster, be really bad, and get all my assets kind of between 2025 and 2029. Um, that's just kind of a theory of how you would put together a group of assets that would mature at the same time and then give you a sustained chance of winning for a long time. And so if, if I rebuild, you know, I'd be looking to aim to gather a lot of things at once that all kind of hit in, the, in a time period and then other things that are going to continue to boost that group, you know, as I have to start paying people, my assets were off. So that that's kind of what I would maybe think about there. But, you know, certainly it wasn't great. You know, if Beal went for four first round picks, you'd feel a lot better about what you'd get for Zach, I would imagine. First of all, I wasn't aware that, is that true that Beal said, uh, we got to, I'm not going to make, agree to the trade if, if Aiton comes, comes uh, for me. I mean, who knew that Aiton was a great recruiter, not Vooch. Yeah, I, I mean, no that, was that was one rumor. I don't, I, I, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you it's true or not true. It was one thing I read when going through the different permutations of the, of stuff, but seems kind of insane. I, I just think this is kind of a really unique situation because of the no trade clause. Like, I really think that diminished the possible return for the Wizards. And obviously, the return was extremely disappointing for a player that they basically held on to. It's it's amazing to me that they didn't do this last year. You know why? Why in the world did they not look to try to make this move last year? But you know that said. It is good for the Bulls in the fact that it just takes another team off their if, – if your goal is to win playoff games, it takes a, another team off the potential uh, to compete with them for that last playoff spot. Yeah. It, the other the other thing that's good they're, for the They're going to be a rebuilding team. Is if you do want to trade Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan, it's also one more player that went to a team you weren't going to trade with anyway that's off the market, right? Like we weren't going to take that package back for anyone we wanted to trade. And so it just pulls one, one big name player off the market. So if we do trade someone, you know, the teams left, they're going to have to scramble a little bit more and, and then we might find a suitor that way. Yeah. Well, so, say you're trading with Miami. That card has been played. Like, so obviously Miami was trying to get better. They probably were interested in Beal. I imagine the Knicks potentially had an interest, but all these teams now that card's gone. Yeah. That card's so gone. I guess that is a good point. And, and we weren't going to trade with the Suns, right? We weren't going to take that package back for Zach Levine. And so... Well, we had proposed an Aiton trade. Yeah, whatever. We, we didn't want Aiton if you're trading Zach. That would make no sense. There's like no way that would make sense. Anyway, all I mean is like we, we weren't going to trade with the Suns. There's no package coming from the Suns that we would have been interested in, as fans at least. I mean, who knows what the team would have thought, but as fans, we wouldn't have been interested in from anything from the Suns. So now to the extent like one of the main counter options is off the table for all the teams that have packages we might want. You know, I'd say that's probably a positive towards our ability to trade one of our guys. Now, I'm not saying we're going to trade one. I think we're just going to run everything back. But if we were to trade, I think our options are a little better now. The report came out last week, according to Yahoo, that the Bulls were exploring options or I think, I think how it was phrased is really key. They were, I guess, trying to, def- to find or determine how much they can get returned for Zach Levine. His name was absolutely floated out there. So I guess what, in your opinion, number one, how surprised were you to hear this, that it was Zach, that they're looking to move potentially? And what do you think the real the real life ramifications of this news are? Especially because if I were, were in Zach's camp, 
I don't know. I, I'm just I'd be growing a little bit weary and, and tired of hearing his name cons- consistently in trade talks. And you know, like at what point are if you're serious about him as you know your best player, are you going to stop talking about trading him and looking to build around him with better players that fit his skill set? Why the hell would you be serious about Zach Levine as your best player? I mean, like that's what you just said. Why like, the hell? Come Maybe on, dude. Clear. He's, he's not one a of the best, best player scorer. in the NBA. It's debatable whether he's even the second best player on a good team in the NBA. Like, I so, don't think there's so any you, question. He could be the second best player, Doug. I what are you talking about? He's a top ten scorer in the last twenty seven games since here, the Here's an exercise for you. Top five. Here's in the an exercise for you. In offensive Fred. efficiency. Here's an exercise for you. Yeah. Go through the last few title teams, replace their second best player in Zach Levine, and ask the question: Would they still have won the title? I don't think Zach Levine is millions away from Jamal Murray. Okay. I think they're very similar players. Yeah. Yes. Playoff, so playoff Murray destroyed playoff Levine to the extent we've seen playoff Levine. But critical game Levine. Yes, because like, we've hardly destroyed. seen playoff Levine. I've heard the exact same thing. Yes, and he played next to Jokic, the best player in the NBA. I'm telling yeah, you right now good. that if Zach Levine was playing next to Jokic, I think you'd see him do very well. He's a 50-40. He approaches 50-40-90 numbers. You can count on one yeah, hand just, the five guys that can just, do this. Did this continue some point, dissing on Levine? At some point, the guy's been in the league over a decade, and you have to start saying, He's not the guy who just generates wins. He doesn't move the needle. Like, he doesn't. Zach Levine's well, Actually, but you – no, you don't have to do that. I heard the same thing about Devin Booker for years. Oh, he's been in the league almost a decade. He hasn't won anything. Yes. Look at the situation. You've heard that for in. years, huh? Well, hold on a second. Look at the, what Zach Levine, the situation he was put in. A rebuilding team in Minnesota. He gets hurt. Actually doing pretty well with the team when he got hurt. An ACL injury. Then he gets traded to the Bulls, who are in a full rebuild. Then who's the, the best rim defender that's played with Zach Levine? Dad Young, who's the best three-point shooter that's played with Zach Levine? Kobe White? It's it's insanity that people just act like, oh, well, he's been put in all these great situations. He no, hasn't. he hasn't. But you, he he's has been in horrible terrible, situations. He has terrible on-off numbers. They never play well with him. And great players, when they're on bad teams, it's like, like Jokic last year. They're like plus 13 when he's on the court. <laughs> like minus 13 when he's off. Or whatever. The best lineup the Bulls had. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're not listening to me. They don't play well with Zach Levine on the court his entire career. His entire career, he's not been a guy where, like, yeah, when he's out there, the team does a lot better. Even if he has bad teammates, then those bad teammates should be far worse when he's off the court. And that has not happened for 10 years. That's not true of Devin Booker. It's not true of other players who become star players. And I'm not saying Zach's worthless. I'm not saying he can't be good, but he's not a guy who's ever going to move the needle. And so, no, the Bulls should not be serious about a team with Zach Levine as their best player. I would counter that Zach Levine has gotten better every year with the exception of the in the past year when he hurt his knee and he had off-season surgery. He took a little bit of a step back. But the left, again, from this all-star break to the first playing game, that was the best I've ever seen Zach Levine. He was absolutely fantastic and he's, in every offensive even metric. At that, he, he was is top not a five first player on a good team guy. He just isn't. But, Doug, how many guys in the NBA are really first team, best player on, on a championship team? I think there's like seven guys. Jimmy Butler's not that guy. So Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler is not Jimmy Butler the best has been much better than on Zach. a championship team. Jimmy Butler has been much no, he better hasn't. Not offensively. at impacting winning. Impacting winning in yes. every advanced metric. Yes, he's also through. been. These things are all regressed to remove your teammates from the equations. Hold on, stop. Let's stop for a second. That's not true for Jimmy Butler when he until he was in his thirties in Miami. That's true. He, he, he was, impacted he winning not, in Philly. He impacted no. it on the Bulls. He impacted it in Minnesota. They were a five hundred team. 
He impacted it compared to the other people on his more team. Than Zach Levine. It always came out in the numbers that the Bulls were way better when Jimmy Butler played. His entire career here, they're always better when he played. Anyway, look, I don't want to argue the point. So my point to your question, which was, when are the Bulls going to start acting like Zach Levine can be the best player on a team and treat him that way? And my answer to that question is never, because I don't think he is, and I don't think they think he is. So if you want to disagree with it, that's fine. But that's my answer to your question. They shouldn't act that way because he's not that guy. It looks like there's going to be three options for this team. Now, I understand what you want to do. We talked about this in the previous episode. You just you basically said trade everybody but Zach Levine, correct? Yeah, yeah. And, and you could trade Zach Levine, too, if you get a great trade. I don't mind trading Zach. He's the one guy who's young enough you could hang on to if you want to. But I'm also totally good trading him. All right, so the three options I think the Bulls are going to take are one of three options. They're going to bring it back, everybody back, continuity, which I think would be a uh, – you know, maybe make some minor moves around the options. You don't have a ton of moves. Well, I guess you do have the middle-level exception. You can make some moves, but they're all going to be around the, the perimeter. They're not going to be, you know, potential rotation players, but they're not likely not starters. We'll see what they do. Can't even use the mid-level and still standard attacks. You can't use the mid-level and standard attacks if you run it back. No, but you, you could use part of it, right? You could use part of it and still standard it, attacks and get a $5 million We don't player. know where the contracts of Vooch and Kobe will align. You have $43 million for a minimum of six players. If Vooch makes 20 and Kobe makes 15, that uses 35 of that $43 million. Six million would be vet min players. You'd have two and a half million left of the MLE you can use. Except that for a veteran who's like more than five or six years in, they'd be better off taking the vet min than that 2.5 anyway because they'd actually get paid more. You just count less on the cap. So, so, but in, so in essence, that option, they bring everybody back. The continuity option is essentially the same team. Essentially the, the most same. you can make. You can't even add the MLE. $2 million player. Yes. Can't, you're perfect. just changing okay, vet so men guys. That's all you're doing. You're changing vet men guys. That's option one. That's option one. Option two, they trade Zach Levine and keep Demar, assuming that they want Zach, uh, assuming they want Vooch and Demar to guide a younger core to set an example for a younger core to be, you know, vets that you need to bring along the younger core and also probably remain somewhat competitive potentially like, you know, around 500. I suspect if you make a brings at least one asset that can still play and be part of the rotation along with some future draft picks for Zach Levine, you could probably remain close to 500. That's option two. And option three is to trade DeMar. Out of those, and then keep, you know, build your team again around, I guess, Zach and Vooch, and then, uh, and then you know, Williams and Kobe and, and, the, and, and the rest of what, what, who else you would acquire in that trade for DeMar, and I think you could get something for him. Out of those three options, which one would you say is most likely? And if you had those three options, which ones would you choose? I mean, it's sort of... Those are the only three you could take. It's an argument of false alternatives, because there's many more options, and... Those other options are better than these three options. But of these three options, to answer your question, of these three options, if I humor you, I think we will run it back. And I think we should... I think the trade Zach and trade Damar options just depend on the returns you get for both guys. But I think if you trade one... I should say, if you trade Zach, you should just trade Damar. Like the idea of running a team back around Vooch and Damar for one year and finishing with 35 wins or something to mentor young people like that. 
that's completely worthless to me. The team is almost certainly not going to make the playoffs and also has no headroom to do anything. And you're just going to get rid of those guys a year later. Like there's no reason to do that. If you trade Zach, you, you just blow the whole thing up. Like it, it's an insane idea to keep any pieces of this it's together once you trade Zach. It's not, it's not an insane. Idea. It is an insane idea. Doug, you see DeMar right now, he's got Patrick Williams and, and, uh, Dale and Terry out in LA working with them at five o'clock in the morning. Great. And I understand what you say about his game. He doesn't. He, he's not going to necessarily be a great player for them in terms of their development on the court, off the court. He absolutely is. These guys he's have. A, he's a fantastic guy. Fourteen, and that's that coaches, stuff does make a difference. Fourteen coaches on the team who train people. They also all hire their individual trainers. We don't that's need to pay Demar Derozan twenty-seven million dollars. This is like the Demar is the great trainer. We got the great recruiter and the great trainer. Like just Demar Derozan works with you and your game. Like <laughs> like like. Do you think those guys have made better than normal gains over their career? They're on like typical career paths for guys in their area. Like Demar is not the great that trainer. He's not massively changing the outcome of any individual player. These guys all have professional yeah, trainers they work that. with, and they all have a coaching staff that's like one-to-one between players and coaches if you count all the strength trainers, shooting coaches, assistant coaches, whatever. This is not like you a huge You are drastically need. underestimating the importance of good vets in a locker room. Yes, they're more important. Doug, I'm telling you, as a coach of my kids too, I see it with my kids. When I have a trainer that just graduated from high school who's playing now in, in uh, Division three college basketball. Fantastic player, great kid. He's basically teaching our, our kids the same stuff that we did, but they they just respect it more. They they listen to it more. Fantastic. There's just something about getting Fantastic. advice You know what the results a, of the great trainer are? Nothing. They're shit. The results of the great trainer are shit because no, these not, guys no, have not, not gotten any better than normal guys in their draft position. Are you kidding me? Io didn't do any better than you don't think he, he helped Io's progression. Well, Io got a lot worse in his second year. year. Why did he not help his progression? He should have kept progressing. He got worse in one area, which is three point shooting. Is, which all this is can't help him. All in. this is this is the same as the great recruiter. You're just taking a thing, and it's like, yeah, look, I agree with you that Demar is helpful. You could get another vet that's helpful. They also all have other trainers. Like ninety five percent of their improvement is based on what they do. Like one tenth of one percent is massive, based on Demar being there. Guys who are motivated, they, they make these things happen either way. And either way, it doesn't Doug, matter. There's a massive difference between Demar being the best player on the team. Vets who are role players do not have as much of an impact if it's being set by the best player on the team. And Demar, regardless of what you say, is the best player on the team. If if Zach Levine gets traded, Demar is the best player. Would you agree with that? Sure. There's no, going to be nobody better on the Bulls next sure. year if DeMar is still on the team. So if he's setting that example as the best player, that makes a massive difference, and it is just bringing in some vet who's like the eighth guy or ninth guy or tenth guy. None he of these guys are making improvements under DeMar best player. that are unexpected for their draft position. None. How can you say None. that? How can you but say that? Not. How do you know he has an they're impact not. Aisle? They're not making better improvements than guys normally do in their draft positions. They're on the normal curve. It's fundamental attribution error. People love to like make up reasons why shit happens and ignore the main reason why it happens. The main reason why it happens is Kobe White or Pat Williams or whoever is motivated by like hundreds of millions of dollars to work really hard and do the best that they can. They have professional trainers training them all the time. They have professional coaches training them all the time. Does DeMar make a better difference than if it was me there? Yeah, of course he does. 
But it's like that's such a small piece of the equation that it's not worth keeping around or paying $27 million for. Just isn't. I think it's much bigger than you would. Well, I'm glad you think that. But you're wrong. We'll agree to disagree on that. I'm not not wrong. Either way. That's why the process took forever because they didn't have any good vets in there that actually taught these guys how to win, how to prepare, how to be an NBA player on and off the court. People always always love the attribute like other shit. That doesn't matter to things that happen. It's like just like oh, I wore red socks and the Bulls won. Like that's that's the that's the difference maker. Got to wear red socks next time. Do, same, don't compare that BS. to Demar Derozan setting an example in the locker room every day. Don't tell me it's even remotely the same, it's Doug. The same. It's not. Uh, you're talking about something that's complete chance and random, as opposed to a veteran who is the best player in a team setting an example of how you need to be professional. Within one percent margin NBA. of error, it's, it's important. The same. <laughs> All right. That's how much. That's how much this impacts. One percent. Let's move on. Let's move. <laughs> let's move on. You're off on this one. Way off. No. That said, off. let's move on. Let's move on because I, if you had a bet, what road they're going to take out of those three I out? They're going to run it back. Do you think it's going to be? They're going to bring back everyone and do nothing. I don't think they will. Okay. I don't think they will. I don't think they're that dumb because that would be dumb. What, don't you think that? Well, would be dumb? I, I, I think just building dumb. around Demar and Vooch would be fucking colossally dumb. So dumb that I can't even help swearing. It just would piss me off so much. I don't know what I would do with myself. But these guys are like the worst GM tandem, executive VP, whatever, front office in the NBA. Tim Connolly, maybe worse. I don't know. But collectively, these guys are the bottom two. I brought up an analogy on the CHGO show that I got to bring up. I'm going to talk about to this current era right now. All right. Where we're at today and what happened in 2009. And you were doing a podcast in 2009, so you'll remember this. Sure. 2009, please excuse me if you already heard this, that I talked on the CHO show, but I was driving around the city. I had a, a job at that time where I had to travel quite a bit, listen to sports radio. The Bulls were 23-30. and 30. In the second week of February, Dang just went out for the season. And it was, oh, my goodness, this team is a disaster. They need to blow it up. Noah's a bust. Although, that, although Rose is showing some signs as a rookie, you know how good is he going to be? He doesn't have a good enough jump shot. Blah, blah, blah. This team's a disaster. They make a trade. Do you remember that trade was at that point? 2009? Do you remember off the top of your head? That's the Nocioni trade. Exactly. And you're the first guy I've ever talked to who's referred to it as that and remembered that. Nocioni was a core piece. He was a player, part of the rotation, beloved by the fans, beloved by me, beloved by you. And they sent him to the Kings for for um, Salmons, John Salmons, and Brad Miller. Two players that were not in the long-term direction of this team, but they were role players that they brought in. Salmons was Solomons was a little bit more than a role player. He actually, I thought, played really well and fit the space that Dang created when he got hurt. But what they did is they decided to, and Brad Miller was instrumental. Even Noah would admit this in his progression and his development as a player. I know you're going to poo-poo it, but he abs- Noah would say so, that Brad Miller was very important for him and learning how to become better and become an NBA player. So they brought in these two guys that weren't long-term pieces as role players because they were a better fit than Nocioni. What else did they do? They let Ben Gordon walk that summer? Walk for nothing. And then the following summer, they traded Kirk Heinrich, the favorite son of the many of the fans, in, 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 in an awe-inspiring trade. They just traded him for cap space. And, that, and they had to include a first-rounder just to get his his bloated contract and him and his overrated self off the roster. 
Do you remember this? Yeah. You remember all three I of these I remember moves? all these moves. They took a step back in 9-10. They took a step back in order to take a step forward. So they went from 23-30 and 30 to a title contender in 18 months. Yes, because Derrick Rose progressed exponentially. He became a superstar. That was a massive part. But also, they got rid of guys that were quote-unquote core pieces and filled in with Kyle Korver to spread the floor, C.J. Watson to be a backup point guard, Carlos Boozer to be a power, rebounding power forward. They added players that were a better fit. Ronnie Brewer is a fantastic perimeter defender. I don't think it's impossible that the Bulls can make those type of moves today. I think it's a similar situation where there's all this exasperation that we have nothing here. Well, yes, we don't have Derrick Rose is going to be an MVP candidate in 18 months. But we do have an excellent scorer in Zach Levine who's in his prime at 28 years old. And we have some good players that are young that are growing. Why is this analogy wrong? Is this a serious question? Wait, wait, I just I'm want just to know. This is a serious question. An, you want to know why the Bulls question. are not like the 08-09 Bulls. Just to rehash No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, don't be afraid to let guys walk for nothing. I'm not afraid That's to let the, guys walk for nothing. But you, why the team is not the same? Well, let's see. That team had a future MVP on the roster who people thought was a can't-miss star. It had Lou Aldang, who had already established near all-star caliber play and was still very young on the roster. It had a defensive MVP and a guy who got MVP votes, votes and then Joakim Noah not at that time. on the roster. Not at the time. He was a no, bust. No, no, you're asking. He was, he a was bust not a bust. Time. I don't know if I've ever been so mad at you in my life as I am right now. Like, this is just such a ridiculous <laughs> question. Like, I can't even believe you would state it seriously. It's such a ridiculous comparison. Like, there's there's no one on this roster that has anywhere near the potential of Noah or Rose. And they also had Tyrus Thomas, who didn't work out, but was also, like, another high upside guy in the roster. So it's not like like they had multiple people who could have hit. Like, if it wasn't, Dan, like if it wasn't Noah, it could have been Tyrus. Like, it ended up being Noah. But, it, like, they had multiple high upside players on the roster, like extraordinary upside players. Like this team does not have that. So you're not high on Patrick Williams? No, I'm not high on Patrick Williams. Point is here, and I'll say this, and we can't go back in time to 2009. Patrick Williams today has a lot more promise and a lot more upside in the in the vast majority of fans in the, in the Chicago Bulls fan base than Jakeem Noah did in February 2009. I disagree I know with it you. looks ridiculous I in hindsight. Doug, you don't go back. Do you remember what, what do you a remember, disaster? No, do you, you remember what happened? Years when, was? Do you remember that, that draft? Do you remember who you wanted in yeah, that draft? Yeah, they got Taj Gibson. Do you remember who I wanted in that draft? The Joakim Noah draft? No, no, no. Spencer Haas. Yes, Spencer Haas. Who did I want in that draft? Wanted, yes. I don't remember who you wanted I wanted, wanted Joakim Noah, I wanted and I told Hoss. you Joakim Noah is going to be a star in that draft. So don't tell me that, like, oh, I didn't like Noah or I couldn't see it coming. I was bitching the entire rookie year of Noah that they didn't play him above Wallace. I definitely thought Noah was going to be a star in this league. So you may not have seen it. Well, regardless of what you thought of him, don't put your blind love for Noah I'm not, in this is, the this actuality is, of how he played. He did not play well as a I know, year. but, I, he, was but he had good. all the things he needed to be a great player in the league, and it was obvious right away. No, he yeah, didn't. He did. Oh, he didn't. He didn't have a jump shot. He never had a he jump shot. A, he was terrible. He never had a jump shot. He didn't need shot. a jump shot to be a center that could defend all five positions, pass the ball, and do whatever. I didn't think Noah was going to be a scorer. You know, I, and not, point was, just to be clear, yeah. I'm not trying to tell you I was right about drafting Joakim Noah 14 years later. I don't care. 
Like that's obvious. It's not non-statement. What I'm telling you is when you tell me no one could have seen this coming. Yes. A lot of people could see them come that coming. One of those people is me who saw that coming. So no, I thought at that time that roster had a ton of potential on it. I was super excited about the future Rose, of yes. the 08, 09 team, you know, at that time. We all were. No, we weren't all. We were 23 and 30, and all I heard on the radio and with my friends was how disappointing this team is. You're saying this now with, with history. I'm not saying the 08, 09 team To February 2009, it was not a good No, but everyone, had, everyone had faith in the future of the Bulls. Like, yeah, I agree. I don't think people are saying, wow, this 08, 09 team is going to do something in 08, 09. But everyone looked at that team and said, yeah, they've got a potential future superstar on it and a bunch of other young, really no, high didn't. upside pieces. People were excited about the future about of that group. Here's what they said about Dang at the time since he was on the injured list again and he finished the year on, uh, unav- unavailable to play. Anyway, this guy's can, always injured. Can we just put a pin in this? Like, I think the comparison is absolutely ridiculous. We had a crap load of high upside players. We have none now. If you think otherwise, my point. Feel free. I'm not comparing the team. I'm point. I'm not comparing the team. My point is what the front office did. They let guys walk that were part of the core, the quote unquote core. They traded. You guys know what that they. Were part you know what they had after they let guys walk. Better fits. You know what they had if they let guys walk. They had enough cap room to sign two maximum free agents after they let guys walk, and they had a ton of young, talented pieces on the roster. You know what we would do if we let guys walk? We'll have the mid-level exception. We'll have no cap room. Yeah, we'll have no have. young pieces on the roster. We have, we have just steered the ship into an utter disaster. Like it, It's like we're, we're stuck in like two boats. Either scrap this thing, scrap this thing, or scrape and claw and pray and beg and hope for miracles so you can win 43 games. Like if everything falls just right, we might be able to win 45 games and be a tough out in the first round. That's like the best case scenario. And we're chasing that down with everything we have with no upside, no chance to do better. Just praying we can win 45 games and likely winning like 41 games. And so if you think that's great, more power to you. I think it sucks to have a team that's average and declining. I'll say it right now. Where 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 big difference is is I believe a lot more in Zach Levine than you do. I think he's he's been getting better. I think his the last as I said the last twenty seven games was the best I've ever seen him play. I agree, Levine's getting. And everybody's going to talk about. I agree, Levine is getting better, but he's like what twenty eight, be twenty nine this year. Twenty eight, yes, he's, he's twenty eight. Like, he's like next year, pretty much at year. his peak right now, and there's nothing else here that's worthwhile. And again, I'll debate that. I think Kobe White is a good player, young player. Yeah. I think okay. What, Patrick how Williams good has is, ability. How good is Kobe White on a championship caliber team? What spot is he in your rotation? Just tell, answer the question. What spot is he? Is he your fifth best player, your fourth best player, your third best player on a championship team? Oh, on a championship team? team? Yeah. I thought you said you wouldn't see him on no, a no, championship No, no, I just said team. on a championship team, he, like he how good is he in the rotation? Player. Fifth or sixth, fifth or sixth, maybe yeah, okay, fine. I agree player. with that. So he's, he's an okay player. You're going to pay him... 15 to $18 million a year, which is like probably fourth or fifth best player to be fifth or sixth best player on your team. 15 million is what the market yeah, I agree. calls for. I look, I agree. I'm not even like. saying that's a bad deal for Kobe. Like, oh, you're ripped off if you pay him this much. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that's typically the money on a championship team. That's like their fourth or fifth guy. You just said Kobe is a fifth or sixth guy on that team. So you're, you're paying him like the high end of market rate when you're not really good. Like adding... 
adding a guy who's a fifth or sixth guy at fourth or fifth money when you're an average team, like that's not an advantage to you. I'm not saying it's a critical flaw either, but it's not like a positive. It doesn't move the needle and make things better. But fair enough. I guess big picture, I don't feel like it's as helpless or hopeless as you do for the following two reasons primarily. Number one, Zach, we, we, you agreed he's getting yeah, better sure. the last we saw. So I think there's another level he can get to, which is like top 15 in the NBA. He's got the, he's got all the tools. He's got the athleticism. He's got the shooting ability, which is so underrated. Uh, he can hit it from every anywhere. That's a massive advantage for a player like him. You have to guard him 30 feet out, and you're that quick. There's a lot of great things that can happen. If he can get some sick of floor spacers around him. It's not on Zach that he, the, the, he's got floor constrictor in freaking Vucevic, and the best three-point shooter he's had since he's been here is Kobe White. It's insanity. Uh, get him a floor spacer for someone else besides him. Stop using him as a floor spacer and get floor spacers around him. End of story on Zach. And part B is... Uh, I do believe in Kobe White can get significantly better, and Patrick Williams, hopefully, and Io, and Io. People buried Io. Well, you might but, not even be able to bring um, Io back. How? Io's going to pay Io's Io qualifying offer is five million. If you sign Io for five million, so if you offer him the qualifying offer and he takes it, which he probably should immediately, if it's offered, and then that forces the Bulls they could withdraw it, but or they have to allow him to take it. But if you if you get Io for five, Kobe for fifteen, and Vooch for twenty, you're already in the luxury tax. Now I don't think we're going to pay the luxury tax for this team. Well, that's the big one is, is Vucevic. Like, I don't think he's worth twenty million a year. Like, if you can get him at fifteen, I still think he's a tradable asset. Sixteen, seventeen on the high end. At twenty, twenty four, twenty five million a year is insanity, especially on a three year contract with a. Maybe if it's a two-year deal with with a team option. Well, the way that these guys give out player options, I'm sure it's going to be a three-year deal for Vooch. Yeah, I don't, with I don't know option after two years. what he'll take to get him. Like, I don't know what it's going to cost to get Vooch or Kobe or whatever. I'm just saying, like, when you try to run back this team, even just the run it back scenario, you're going to have to lose pieces because Kobe is just going to get more expensive, and you don't have any bad salary coming off the books, and no one is cheaper. Well, it will be a massive mistake if they let Iowa walk for nothing. I just think he's going to be a, he's a rotation player already. I think he's when he was put in that role at the end of the season, I thought he played very well. well you're going to have to let either Vooch, Iowa, or Kobe shoot the ball well enough. Pick one. Who are you letting walk? Vooch. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, who would you who would you like to see walk? Uh, probably Vooch of those guys. Uh, like whatever. I, I don't think Vooch adds any value to us. I'd I'd be fine getting like two more vet minimum centers. And just playing a, a combination of Drummond and two other vet men guys. You could use the mid-level exception, you know, and, but... Get a rim defender in here. Yeah. Somebody who can Well, it's going to be really hard to do paint. that, right? You don't have a lot of money to work with. So, what, what do you think Pirtle's going to go for? Um, I don't know, 20-plus million. You're not going to be able to get him. He's a much better fit. Well, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to get him, right? Like, Toronto is just going to sign him. You think he's going to go more than Vooch? Yeah. Well, I don't know if he'll go more than Vooch because I think Vooch might go for that much too. But Toronto is just going to keep Pirtle. We can't – we only have the mid-level exception. Like, we can't – you think Pirtle's going to go for the mid-level exception or less? No. Toronto will keep him at that. I was probably 15. So there's no way we can get Pirtle, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. I just think that that position's kind of overvalued. Well, I, get, I mean, I you still need an NBA player at it, though, right? Like, you, <laughs> like I agree, center is the least, the least valuable position in a lot of ways, uh, unless you have. I mean, like you need a defender, but it feels like 
bouncy shot blockers are not so difficult to get in some ways. Like if a guy doesn't need offensive skill, but just needs to be tall and athletic, like that's not quite as big a challenge as, you know, finding someone who's immensely skilled in the perimeter. But I mean, you still need an NBA player there. Agreed. Yeah. I just, it's such a mess, man. It's such a mess. They're going to bring Booch back and everybody's going to be talking about how great he is and how they need to work out of him in the post. And he never gets to the free throw line. And he's shooting the threes again at 31 to 34%. It's just such a freaking mess. He's a floor constrictor. He is a great recruiter. He's a great, but he's also a great rim presenter. Like, he's a fine player, but like, gosh, the, the amount of money we're paying him. And it just, Lonzo Ball, for, it's $40 million, $45 million for what? Rebounding. He's a nice dude. Yeah. You can get another guy for that. Doug, I'm just distraught on that whole thing are you still on Lonzo Ball the way to go with him is just wait till next year to do the well there's nothing else to do I mean you could and and maybe we'll do this only because it feels like we'd be dumb enough to do it you could wave Ball now and stretch him and that would open up the ability to use the mid-level exception this year and still duck the tax so why is that dumb? Because you're going all in on this shit team. That's not going anywhere. And then you're going to have Lonzo Ball in your books for four years after this year. So you could try to bring in a mid-level player to boost this 40-ish win team up to 42 wins. What would he be on the books for if you stretch him? Five million a year? Eight million a year. For four years? What? Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, you gotta, you're got you taking up $8 million in your cap space for nothing. Yeah, for four years. Like, look, if, if I thought this team could go somewhere this year, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like if you were a player away, and, and you know, just to rehash, when I say go somewhere, I just mean second round. You know, just so people are clear. Like, I'm not talking about can we win a title. Like, we're, I don't think you have to win a title. Like, I, it would be great if we could. That's the goal, of course. But it's really hard to win a title. You need a lot of things to fall right. You need a lot of luck. And, like, we're so, we're so far away from that. Like, there's no way anyone on this team is going to be here when they next win a title. So, you know, if, but if you, could, if you could somehow get to the second round and compete for the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever, like, I would love that. I'd take that. I would make some weird moves to get that. To have a team that's like a legit 50-win team, you know, and a quality team that you just enjoyed watching night in and night out and, and thought could, like, you know, maybe if things break their way, could could be like Miami, you know, and get, get somewhere. Like, I'd be fine with a team like that. What I'm not fine with is just trying to press a team that's like a play-in caliber team uh, with, like, smoke and mirrors and hope you can, you can get up to, like, you know, strong first round out. Like, that's, that's what you would make these moves for, is to move from, like, play-in caliber team to, like, sixth uh, seed. And I, I just think you need more vision than that. Like you, you need to set the bar higher than that. You know, when you start making desperation moves, you need to be a second round team at the end of them. So our mutual friend, Mark Kay from Australia, I had to bring this up, called the Butler trade the worst trade in Bulls history. Do you feel that the Butler trade is worse than the Vooch trade? No, but it doesn't matter. So you think the Vooch trade is worse? Far worse. It does matter. Like, so the, it's, it's losing just it's, losing the 11 pick this year is insane to me. Like, well, we're all fine with it. We got boots. It's, it's context. It's insane. It's just context because we weren't likely to be able to do anything with Butler anyway. We were in like a tough spot. You were going to have to pay Butler the super max if he stayed. And then, you know, his, 
history would have been much worse than the Supermax. We know for sure we would have got way less for him if we waited to trade him. You know, on a worse contract, he would have been on a worse contract. And then, you know, on a good contract, he was traded twice more for basically zero. So, you know, like, you know, if you kept him and had to trade him later and, you know, Jimmy Butler was not going to be psyched to be in a rebuild, which is what the Bulls would have been done. Like, you know, his attitude. So I think people like look at what he's done with the heat and think, why can't that be us? But if you are honest with yourself and you assess where the Bulls were, it wasn't going to be us. Like it just wasn't like the context matters a lot. And then, you know, what they ended up getting for that, they got three basically lottery caliber prospects in Chris Dunn, who was the number four pick the previous year, the number seven pick in the upcoming draft, and Zach Levine, who was breaking out, but then tore his ACL. So lots of risk there. And, and so you got three kind of high-risk assets, and two of the three turned out to be all-star players, one of them for your team. Um, when you look at the Vooch trade, you know, it's just entirely different. You, got, you would have gotten two all-star caliber players who are like in their early 20s. You know, at the Vooch trade, you gave up a bunch of stuff to try to win now. And if you won now and you got to the second round, you could say, sure. But now we've played out the conclusion of this deal, and we got one playoff win, two missed playoffs, you know, one playoff series and Vooch wasn't, you know, wasn't good that year. Like he wasn't a big contributor that year either. So, you know, like one of those things, it was just, it was just a totally different set of scenarios. Like when you were looking to rebuild and you needed to change the direction of the team, like the context matters in terms of like absolutes, you know, you could easily make the case like, Hey, Jimmy Butler became a top 10 player. And so you lost the top 10 player in a trade. So that's clearly the worst trade and an absolute value. I think that's probably true. But, but you understand in terms of where the team was and where they were going and what they would have done, what the outcome would have been if they kept Butler. They would have probably been forced to trade him later at a much lower rate is what ultimately would have likely happened. He was never in the top 10 debate until this year. He's gotten the two finals with Giannis Hurt in both of those. He got there, so you got to give him credit for that. But again, he wasn't the best player in the Eastern Conference finals this year. He won the award. Caleb Martin outplayed him and, and in every offensive metric. But that said, it's not he is true. exactly we who he was with show. the It's not true. It is true, but not. He, he is exactly who he was with the Bulls. He'll have two great, fantastic playoff games. Well, the, but, but the, he's the, the same guy he was with the Bulls. That's my ignoring point. Butler. You're not going to win a title with him as the best player. Ign- period. Ignoring That's my Butler point. individually, the difference between those two trades is the context they were made. Like one of them, you knew you couldn't go forward on this path. And so you're like, what's the best thing I can do to set a new path? And the thing they did actually turned out pretty well if they had made other good supporting moves around it, but they didn't. You know, and, and the, the thing with Vooch, it was just, just a complete train wreck. And there was like, you know, like, I don't know, everything I thought would happen with this happened for the exact reasons I said it would happen because they're all super obvious. And I know Bulls fans were excited about the trade, but every national media guy was like, what are they doing here? I think it was not every guy. It was, it was Zach Lowe. It was you. There were a few other guys that were questioning the trade. I mean, to me, the difference is we got our best player in the Butler trade today. Our best player is Zach Levine. That's who we got in the trade. Larry Markin is an all-star. What did we get for Vooch? He never remotely played at an all-star level. Not even close. Not even close. Shocking. And we gave up two first-rounders that ended up being top 11. I know. It's, it's, and Wendell Carter Jr., I know, it's, who's it's actually better surprising. than Vooch. Why are you talking to me about this? I told you this trade sucked the day it was made. I told and you. you know what? The Heat I told you within months of this Jimmy trade Butler being made. Jimmy Butler as the best player, so period. I told you within months of this trade being made that 
three years from now would be sitting here going, how do we trade Vooch for three things that are more valuable than Vooch? And I believe I was mocked quite a bit for that. So whatever. It, do, it doesn't matter. It's water under the bridge. The question now is what do they do now? Well, that's the thing. What do they do now is they should let they should give Vooch the Ben Gordon treatment. If he gets a deal that they don't want to pay, and to me that they should set a number, a max number should be seventeen million per year. They should or eighteen. I'd go there. They should definitely play say, hardball with Vooch. Be like, go yes! find another offer. Yes. Like, yeah. Here's, yes. Go. Yeah. Here's, go, who, who are you gonna go? You gonna go to Orlando? Here's fourteen go million. Ahead, go to Orlando. Here's fourteen million a year for three years. You can take this, or <laughs> you can leave. I'd even go less. I'd actually just get rid of them. It doesn't matter what I would do. They won't do what I would do. What I would do would have a chance of getting you a 50-60 win team, but they, were not, they will not do that because they don't want to sacrifice two years to do it. And I understand that. I know you'd let him walk for nothing, but Doug, even you would admit, it, the, Vucevic on 12 to 15 million a year is a tradable asset. You would be able to trade him at the trade deadline to a team nope. in the West who's competing against the Senate. Wouldn't do it. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Wouldn't do it. I'm saying, would you agree they could trade Maybe. that contract? Maybe. Who knows? Like, could you trade it, but for likely. what? Could you get something good for it back? No, I don't think you could. You can get a second rounder for him Great. And, and a player you can that's probably, expiring. Anything you think you could trade him for in six months, you could probably trade him for now in a sign-in trade. So do it now. Yeah, but the only difference is that players – Go down. If the center goes down in the West, you can likely get more for him. But teams building their whole roster and trying to figure out what they need, they're doing that now. Like, it's not going to be worth more later. This idea that you're going to pay him more, put more years on his deal, and he's going to be worth more later, it just doesn't. There's more teams now that will see, like, yeah, maybe I'm a Vooch away from doing something than there will be at the deadline. Especially when you start looking at, like, how many teams might feasibly need a center. Like, it's, I don't know. It, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm so disgusted by this team that uh, a depressing person to talk to. What are you trying to say? Like, <laughs> exactly. Like I said, the only sensible thing here to is say? to blow it up. I gave you a plan that would give you 15 draft picks over like five years and like maximum cap room to rebuild starting 2025 when all these draft picks start hitting and then, and then build then. I think that's the thing, though, Doug. I think we lost our window. I don't think teams are going to be as frivolous with draft picks they as they were until the Minnesota trade. And now it's, I it's think not that, that you're going to trade transformed everything. It's not that you're going to trade all of these guys for draft picks. Like you'll get some, but what you're going to do is you're going to have 130 million in cap room next year. So how many draft picks do you think I can get for Zach Levine? For what? Here, what let me, they're going to come let here. Me, to play? Let me talk you through this. How many draft picks can I get for Zach Levine? I think if you let's say you go to the Knicks, I think you probably get two to three two. Late first rounders in with protection, top ten protection, and a couple second rounders. So four in total with a player coming in return, like an Obi Toppin or yeah, okay. so, or one of the so two draft picks, players. two first rounders plus a player. You don't think I could trade Zach Levine? Okay, you don't think I could trade Zach Levine right now to the Miami Heat for their twenty twenty three pick? Uh, just uh, just junk contracts they don't want, and their twenty twenty seven and twenty nine with low protection i don't think that even the heat would give up unprotected 27 and 29 especially where they're at currently in there i mean like riley's about to die you don't think he'd like try to win one more title first he's like like 89 or something it's like 78 actually just kidding i think i think you could get at least one of those unprotected picks from the heat or like top four protection anyway 
so let's just say you could get, I think if you get like late firsts that have protection on them, I think you get at least three. Like, but that's my thing with so, Miami and LA. The dangers of making those trades, Doug, is there's always somebody that's willing to go play there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's Miami and, and Los Angeles. So even if you are getting an unprotected That's fine. Let's hear me out. 2027. Let's just say I get three picks for Levine. You think I can get at least one okay. first rounder for DeRozan, right? Somewhere? I'm a little bit less confident. You don't think I can get now, one first rounder? Like one mid first rounder? A late, a late, mid to late, you'd be able okay, to get. So I get probably. one first rounder for DeRozan. Uh, you think I get one first rounder for Caruso? Yes. Okay, so I get another late. first rounder for Caruso. And let's say I get like a second rounder for Vooch, a sign and trade. That seem reasonable to you? So far, okay, yes. Okay, so I got five first rounders, four of which are mid to late. And you maybe they're all, maybe they're all like say three mid and like two late first rounders. Five, but kind of crew, so I forgot about those. So that's five. Um, none of them are great picks though, right? So we, we agree with that. Yeah, I think, they're all. I think maybe I could get one. Non-lottery. I think I could maybe get one of those in the lottery. But four mid to late first rounders, maybe one like late lottery first rounder. Like protection is like top eight or something. Um, now I have 130 million in cap room next year because I've gotten rid of all the stuff. You know what happens next year? New collective bargaining yeah, agreement what? kicks in with the second apron. Four or five teams in the league absolutely desperate to unload salary. There's going to be deals out there like, hey, we'll give you a first round pick if you just take DeAndre Ayton off our books. We'll give you a first round pick to take Jordan Poole off our books. You know, you're just going to be able to get like all kinds of that. So you play that game next year because it's going to be a once in 10 years chance to like just take massive advantage of a change in the salary rules that's going to create a huge amount of value for teams that are under the cap. So now you're 130 million under the cap in the best year in like a decade to be under the cap. You're going to be able to like get another three, four or five first round picks plus decent players that you can then flip for more picks just like the Thunder did a few years back where they did stuff like, yeah, we'll take, on a, we'll take this guy in a pick, then we'll trade that guy for another pick because we're under the cap and we can do all the salary flexibility stuff. You do that for two years. You get another like three, four, five picks each year doing that. Now in 2025, you've got whatever you got in the roster, a lot of cap room, and over the next five years, you got like 15 extra draft picks. Then you just bring in whatever you bring in, and now who knows what's going to happen. Draft is still a crapshoot. A lot of those picks are late. But you just have so many bullets in the gun. You're just shotgunning everything. And I just feel like you do that and you have a legitimate chance to be a, a tremendously good team again. And what we're doing now, we're just going to be putting this off for two years and then we're going to do something similar. Except when we do it next time, we won't have a once in a lifetime chance to take advantage of the collective bargaining agreement. And most of the assets we trade will either just expire for nothing like Vooch. Like we said, we should have traded Vooch for the last two years. Now we're going to get nothing for him. They'll expire for nothing. Like tomorrow will give us nothing instead of whatever he gives us now. Crusoe will give us nothing instead of what he gives us now. And Zach will give us less. He'll give us what Beal just got. So you can wait two years and go through the same exercise. And then you start over with a lot less. Or you can do it now because you know this train ain't going anywhere. The major issue with your plan is something I've harped on for years is when you look at all the all-NBA players, the vast majority, I mean, you're going to find Jokic and Jimmy Butler, but those are few and far between. Few and far between. In general, 
The top five to seven spots is where you find the best players in the NBA. And then 10, 11 to 20, occasionally you get a Giannis, occasionally you get a Kawhi. From 21 to 30, mainly role players. A lot of those guys are out of the league in five years. Those late first rounders are they're not even close to guarantees of good to superstar players. Where you're going to get hopefully lucky on your plan is the Bulls are going to be so bad for two years that hopefully they'll get lottery luck and be in the top five. We tried this plan before. The best, the highest we got was seven for three straight years. Awful luck. You're just throwing away seasons. You know, it's it's like you, when you just throw away years like this, it doesn't guarantee you anything. You're throwing like, away you're years anyway. Years. You're throwing away years anyway. You're not throwing away years if, if you're at least competitive and got a shot. You going don't have a like, shot. That's it. You do not have a shot. This team does not have a shot. Unless going somewhere is going to Milwaukee and getting your ass kicked in the first round, this team does not have a shot. The odds of Kobe White and Patrick Williams becoming very good players is about the same as what you're describing, that one of these players, all these shots that you have in the late to first, second round, and hopefully losing and getting lottery You're thinking too narrowly. Whoever you pick in that position. You're thinking too narrowly. I'm not thinking too you narrowly. Don't, I think you don't they're about the to, same odds. Hear me out. They are. Hear me out. You don't have to use 15 picks to draft them. Not when a star is available, you can be like, hey, I'll give you three first rounders, and I can take the guy into cap room. You could just flip all these things into buying current players if you want to. What this plan does is it basically says you have a certain amount of assets. So think about this from an economic perspective, right? Say you have like $10 a year. And to win a title, you need to somehow get 100 total dollars. But you only get $10 a year to spend. And when you spend it, that thing may go up in value, but over time it trends downwards in value. What I'm saying is let's take a few years of our $10 and then let's just like, Take it and immediately bank that 10 and put it two years later. And so we may use all those assets to trade for players. But what we're doing is we're taking all the assets we could accumulate, like these little things, like the mid-level player we could get now. We're going to say, instead of taking a mid-level player now, I'm going to take that value that would have, and I'm going to just push it out two years. I'm going to take all the value I have. I'm going to push it out two years. And now two, three years later, four years later, now you're, you're starting with like $40 instead of 10, and then you're adding 10 each year. And now you have a chance to do something. But instead, what we're going to do is we're going to use our $10 this year and we're going to use it next year to just maintain kind of where we're at. And then we're going to eventually realize we're nowhere and we need to start over, but we're going to start over with $10 now instead of 40. So all I'm saying is take your assets now and bank them for the future. Combine all your assets so they hit in like one window. And then that window all gives you the assets. chance to be good. And it could be trading for players. It could be drafting players. It can be a lot of stuff. But picks get things. You can trade all your picks for things. Like when a star is available and you can say, I can take him without sending you any bad salary and give you five first round picks. You're going to be able to or, get stars. Or we could go with my plan. And my plan is this. Zach Levine's 28 years old. For the first time in his career, I'd like to see a team try to build around Zach Levine with really good role players who would stretch the floor. How are we going to get really good, good role defender. players? With what? By by trading DeMar DeRozan, by letting Zoo Who are you going to trade these guys for? Trade? Put names. Tell me who you are going to trade them for that is going Cam to create Johnson good... Cam Johnson is a good fit next to... Cam Johnson would be a great fit next to... 
Zach Levine. I, I'm, I, I don't. I'm, I'm just describing these players. Like I don't know off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, and what I'm telling good, you is your plan saying, is not possible. If you can't put names to it, your plan is not possible. Sure, I would trade Demar Derozan for Cam Johnson straight up right now. Why would the Nets do that? I'm just throwing out one name. Fine, throw out a name that can work. Look at the Clippers. How about Demar Derozan to the Clippers for a couple of their young players, like uh, Terrence Mann, who never plays. Terrence Mann's a better fit next to Zach Levine. Then, then DeMar DeRozan, Terrence Mann, another asset. I'd, I'd have to go and, and study the other team's rosters. All I'm saying is the goal should be to get players who compliment Zach Levine for the first time in his career and believe that at 28 he can get better. I like that plan better for the following reason. I know he's good. I know he's freaking good. I know he's underappreciated. I know he gets blamed for a lot of the faults of this team, and are not his fault. That's all I'm saying. I, I like the odds there of him getting a little bit better than I do of, let's trade everybody, get all these late first-rounder assets, and then hopefully one of these guys one day will be as good as Zach Levine is today. I like the plan of like, hey, here's a really explicit thing you can do it. Why are you taking advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to gain lots of flexibility with all of your cap room, more than the underwear gnomes plan of, I'm going to trade all my guys for better guys that I can't name because I've not looked at all the rosters. I'm not saying they're better. They're worse. Terrence Mann is not better than DeMar DeRozan. Uh, worse worse guys fit. that fit what they want to do. Fit Zach Levine. Again. Better fit with again, Zach Levine. Until you put names around it. Like Next I just, show, I will have names for you. Okay. I'm going to work. Audience, send me the names that you want to see of role players that be a better fit around Zach Levine. But I'll start by this. Find anybody who shoots at a 40% rate from three-point line on high volume more than uh, this team does because they don't have anybody who does it even remotely well. Get the carcass of Vooch off the roster for a guy that actually, you know, either protects the lane or stretches the floor. I look forward L- to your literally plan. stretches the floor. I look forward to your plan. I like the way you said you're not going to come up with it, but people should tell you what it is. That was a uh, genius <laughs> move there. Gavin, for an hour, I'm bringing the bus in. This is a very contentious episode. I was very angered at the at your response to my 2009 analogy. And, and all I was trying to do, I'm not saying they were the same team. I was saying, but you look how what the Bulls did is they found players as a better fit around their guys that they determined who they want to move forward with. The yeah, Bulls should determine yeah. they want to move forward with Levine, Kobe, Williams, and find better fits around those players. Because it's not Vooch with his back to the basket, not getting to the line self, can't protect the rim. And it's not, you know, as much as I love DeMar, he can't... It's a lot easier to find good fits around a future MVP, future defensive MVP caliber player and another all-star than it is around our three guys. Just saying. All right. We're not role players away. I'm not going to respond. Nobody thought that that, that, uh, Noah was a future defensive player. One person Besides you. Besides you, one person did in the whole city, but nobody else did. Well, I can't help it if other people are stupid, Fred. That's not my not my problem. <laughs> I'm bringing this bus. This conversation. Other people over. did love love the much. Vooch trade. We all loved it. That one you were right on, and I admit, you know what? It would all have been fine if Vooch kept on hitting the three, but he didn't. <laughs> if he only if only I discussed with you joke. at great length why that was likely not to happen at the time the trade was made, because he'd had a half season in his entire career being a good three point shooter. I'm not going to give you any more minutes to wax poetic about your intelligence. We're we're moving on. <laughs> we're, we're pulling this bus in. And I will see you on Thursday. Until then. Until then. What's our... What's, what's our go Bulls. Go Bulls, Go Bulls. Until then, go Bulls. Very, go very positive episode. Very positive. Everybody have a good one. Very positive. Talk to you, talk talk to you soon, brother. Bye. All right, man. Bye.